0: thrilled to share something incredible with you today. Imagine having a treasure trove of informative, entertaining, and empowering video content about the journey to parenthood right at your fingertips. That's exactly what you get with Informed Pregnancy Plus. For less than 25 cents a day, In this episode, I'm chatting with Julia Carroll about being a solo mom by choice. <laughs> Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only, and is not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at drnicolerankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 224. Whether this is your first time tuning in or you've been here before, I'm so grateful you're spending some of your time with me today. In today's episode, we have Julia Carroll. Julia is a mom, creative leader, warm friend, animal lover, and champion of alternative families. She is a solo mom by choice and the host of Storked, a podcast celebrating all families and paths to building a family. When she's not hosting Stork, Julia runs a private investment firm. She lives in Boston with her toddler and dog. Julie and I have a great conversation about what made her decide to be a solo mom by choice, what type of support she had around making that choice, her thought process behind choosing a sperm donor versus going with adoption. We talk about the sperm donor industry, the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, We talk about the expenses, whether or not insurance covered it. Just a really great, informative, and interesting conversation that I know you are going to enjoy. Now, before we get into the episode, I have a favor to ask of you. Can you share this podcast with a friend? Sharing is caring and it helps me to reach and serve more pregnant folks. I am on a mission to reach and serve millions of pregnant people in this country to help them have this great, great information that you love in the podcast. And I would so appreciate your help in doing that. So share it with your community, share it with your friends, share it on your social media. Always, tag me. I'm happy to be tagged and reshare things on my own social media. My favorite platform is Instagram. I'm there at Dr. Nicole Rankins. So I appreciate your help with that. All right, let's get into the conversation with Julia. Thank you so much, Julia, for agreeing to come on to the podcast. I'm glad we are getting to chat despite our stupid technical difficulties first
1: (laughs) me too i'm very excited to connect with you today
0: so why don't you start off by telling us a bit about yourself and your work and your family
1: absolutely um well thank you so much for asking about that in those in that way you know asking about family in the same context the same breath as who you are as Mm -hmm. a person because you know that's all that's what i do um in my spare time. So I am, I work in finance professionally full-time, but on the side, my passion is to talk about all the different ways that we think about our family lives, structure our family lives, and create our family lives. Mm -hmm. And in particular, really trying to display all the different styles and structures of family. Mm -hmm. So trying to champion alternative families. And the way that came to be is... um, that I am a solo mom by choice, Mm -hmm. and in the process of trying to figure out what I wanted for my family life, you know, I was newly single and really just knew I wanted to have kids in my life in Mm -hmm. one way or another, but not sure how to go about it, I started talking to people exactly like you are, and just asking with curiosity, like, what is it like to adopt, and what is it like to become a solo mom, and what is it like to choose not to have kids, and... I was dating divorced men at the time who had kids. And I said, you know, what is a stepmom experience like? How do you blend a family? And right, from right. that, like, oh, God, the answers were so good. So it turned into a podcast called Storked. Uh-huh. And now I just like passionately uh, get to talk about all this good stuff right. as much as I can.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, a lot of times people or you hear, well, I assume that you still like your finances job, maybe I'm not pr- projecting, but you know, a lot of times people think you have to follow your passion and it necessarily may be like the thing that's your work and maybe you're working towards that. I don't, you know, I'm not sure, but I think it's lovely how you took this and, and made it into something bigger to share with other people. I just think that's really wonderful.
1: Yeah. You know, I think as, as humans, we evolve quite a bit. Our mm-hmm. family lives evolve, our identities evolve. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so for right now, they are separate Finance and the podcast are separate, but I'm lucky that I get to do both in yeah. my spare time. And right. who knows? Maybe they'll converge. Maybe one will take over. Maybe one will take a break. Who knows? There you um, Just staying yeah. open to the possibilities. Totally.
0: Yeah. So what made you decide to be a single mom by choice? And then I guess also like a lot of people think about things, but they don't necessarily like start a podcast about it. So what made you d- decide to take that route?
1: Well, I'll answer the second one first, which yeah. is... I got to talk to like, if you and I knew one another, or mm-hmm. even if we didn't, if somebody knew you and said, oh, you got to talk to Dr. Nicole, mm. I would call you be like, oh my God, tell me everything about right. your family life. And it started very targeted. I want to know what the solo parent experience is like. I want to mm. know what the blending family part is like. But then once you start getting like deep and personal with people- here at cocktails and the guy next to you at the bar is talking about something you're like oh tell me about what your divorce was like <laughs> <laughs> like okay <laughs> um, so what's amazing about humans is that we're so nuanced and so complex mm-hmm. and everyone has a family of some kind mm-hmm. whether you talk to your family or don't mm-hmm. whether you're in love with the way your family life is currently structured or not People have families and they're willing to share their families. And in learning about your family life, you learn about like the deepest parts of someone's soul, you Mm -hmm. know, what they want, their identity, their hopes, their desires, their disappointments. Um, So I had those conversations and they were just too good not to share. Okay. Okay. Love it. Love it. Love it. So then what made you decide to be a solo mom by choice? Yeah. I always say it was my plan B in many ways, which isn't really fair, but it was like, you know that thing in the back of your head that you're like, okay, if life doesn't work out the way mm. I expect, mm-hmm. I guess I could always do this. Right, um, right. You know, here's another example. If, if... Raising kids in the U.S. gets way too expensive. Mm -hmm. You know, I have this dream of maybe I move to Europe and like, you know, (laughs) magically have this glorious European life. Right. The reality of that is probably negligible. Like Uh it's probably not going to happen. Right. But sometimes you think about it and you think about it and then you start. Looking up trips, and mm-hmm. you start thinking about like, okay, which which location is better for expats, and the next thing mm-hmm. you know, you booked your flight, and you're on your right. way, and you're doing
0: right. it. Right. Um, right,
1: that was my solo parenting journey. It was like, okay, okay, well, like backup plan, I will do this on my own. And then the more I thought about it and the more I explored it and the more I explored my hopes and dreams the more I was like, okay, this is it. This is the, this isn't plan B. This is plan A. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: And then what made you decide, cause you could have adopted, what yeah. made you decide to do adoption versus sp- getting a sperm donor?
1: You know, it's interesting because with family building, It's never an either or always, right? You kind of Mm -hmm. pursue things simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Things can be sequential. Mm -hmm. So I'll say I haven't ruled out adoption in its entirety at this stage of my life. Gotcha. Gotcha. Nor have I ruled out fostering, which is like another thing that's niggling in the back of my mind. Is like maybe something I'll do one day. Okay. but just before going on the solo parenting uh-huh. journey, I have members of my family who are adopted, okay. And one in particular is a favorite cousin who was adopted from Colombia, right? And her, uh, this cousin's dad uh-huh. said to me, "You know what? For for like a senior project, we're going down to Colombia. We're going to visit the orphanage, okay. and you know that's going to be written into a whole part of a senior project. Would right. you like to come? Right and This is my favorite uncle or one of my, I've got a lot of great aunts and uncles, so one of my favorite uncles. And I don't know, did he know I was thinking about having a family on my own? Did he know I was thinking about adoption? Did he know that that was like in my heart and soul? I don't think so. I think it was just this Mm fortuitous come explore this with Mm -hmm. us. So while there, I got to sit down with this incredible woman, Jimena, who's been running this... Orphanage adoption agency, child services agency in Bogota for 40 years. Wow. I know. And we talked about like how the adoption world has changed, Uh um, how the way in which they think about adoption has changed. One of the major changes that has happened in both countries, the US and Colombia, is Where possible, you want to keep families together, Mm. right? So if we can, Mm -hmm. instead of taking a child out of a home, provide resources, training, education, support, Mm -hmm. community, love, Mm -hmm. that's better for everyone. So one of the takeaways I had from that conversation was that adoption is totally possible for me, Mm. but it's a little harder as a solo parent. Sure. You know, whether you're in the US doing it domestically or doing it abroad, it's a little harder. Right. So I didn't rule it out. I just was exploring that emotionally while simultaneously going through a fertility journey. Gotcha. 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 So do you feel like
0: you had support around you from your family, from your friends when you're like, I'm going to be a single or solo parent by choice? Or were they like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: my gosh. Yes and no. Okay. So, one thing that really surprised me is I thought my parents' generation would be really anti this. You can't yeah. do this alone. Yeah, it's too I hard. mean,
0: I, right? I, I'm older than you, but. I, I'm I'm guessing you know parent. My parents are in their 80s now, but even like seven, sixty, seventy. You they might be like, "What in the world? This is not." Yeah, like-
1: and I. So I was totally worried that that would be a difficult conversation with my uh-huh. parents, or that they would have a hard time telling their friends. Right. Mm-hmm. I was so wrong about that. Oh. Right? Like I had people come up to me who never got to have kids uh-huh. um, or who had lost children who had mm. had infant loss or right. miscarriages. And they said, you know, look, or or divorce early right. on. And they right. said, my life didn't turn out the way I wanted it to because this was not a choice I got to make when I was your age. Mm. Can you okay. imagine? I wow. didn't get to have this. Wow. They were like cheering me on. Oh, um, I love it. I know. They're such an amazing part of the community. So that was ridiculously supportive. Sure. And in fact, my mom threw herself a baby shower. It was ostensibly for me, but it was really like all right. her friends. Right, like, look, right. I get to have a great kid. Right. She, she has other great kids, but she threw herself a baby shower. Nice. Um, and her friends were so supportive. Now, my friends were, initially I started to tell a couple people and I got some pushback. Mm. You're too young. Mm-hmm. I was... 36 or 37 when I started talking about this. So I wasn't too young by any uh -uh. (laughs) means. You don't need to do this. This is crazy. You'll find somebody. Just keep waiting. And so for me, I learned very quickly to only share this with certain friends. Mm. You know, those people Mm -hmm. that are going to have your back no Mm -hmm. matter what, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If you're like, I'm boarding a plane and come with me, or like, I'm just, I'm lighting a torch to my life and I'm doing something totally different. they are like, awesome girl, get it. Yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Right? And those people are few and far between, but there Mm -hmm. are some people like that in my life. So those are the people I told. And then the way I describe it for people who are thinking about this and want to protect their heart in the process Uh is start with that core. And then the more certain you become, the more you can open up to the concentric circle until Uh. now... I'm the person who will tell strangers, oh, right. yeah, that kid was donor-conceived, and I'm right. a solo parent. And there's right. no shame. There's no doubt. There's gotcha. no uncertainty. Okay. If they look at me funny, I look at them funny back. Like, no big deal. Gotcha. Gotcha. But I wasn't like that at first. I, I had was to. So, so yeah. what, what, what helped you get there? Um, A couple things. I did a couple things that's, that I had to spend money on and a couple mm-hmm. things that were totally free. So mm-hmm. when I tell people mm-hmm. to do the reflection about what you want your family to look like, mm-hmm. the thing that was expensive for me was I, I invested in coaching. Um, and if that's within your financial purview, if yeah. that's available to you, I highly right. recommend it. Right. You know, people who love you and are paid to love you, weird. Um <laughs> can ask great questions uh-huh. and they can hold you accountable for the uh-huh. answers. Uh-huh. And if you can't afford coaching, pick a friend who's really good at asking the hard questions. Right. The right. other thing I did that I invested in myself around was I took a big trip huh. and, you know, did a lot of meditation on that trip. And you know, right. try, sometimes so, sometimes getting out of your physical environment or sure. the people you see day to day is healthy. yeah. yeah. But the free things I did were journaling incessantly, okay. like pages and pages and pages and pages of journals. In fact, okay. a friend was at my house helping me reorganize my closet and found all my journals and was like, "What are you, why are you holding on to these? Right, <laughs> right. This is how I became who I became. Right, right. So yeah, those are the two things I think –
0: that helped you to get there. Okay. Yeah. What about therapy? Did you think about therapy at all?
1: Yeah, I had done therapy you know, when I was younger, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's a wonderful tool and resource. Mm-hmm. Um, the therapy I did at the time was really to get comfortable with a different part of who I was and, okay. you know, work through some stuff from my childhood. Sure, so I felt sure. like I was sort of at that part, but becoming a solo parent. Or making a decision around what kind of family you want is all about your identity. Mm-hmm. It's all about what your hopes, mm-hmm. your dreams are, where you want to go with your life. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. it's also about like getting rid of the voice in your head that says you can't. Right. Getting rid of whatever society's telling you, yeah. getting right. So yeah. it does require work. You can't mm-hmm. you can't say, Okay, I've just ingested thirty-five years of information from what society tells me is acceptable and normal. Mm-hmm. And go in a different direction without having done some kind sure, of work around absolutely. it. Absolutely. You
0: know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
1: I'm sure you've done some of these things yourself. I, too. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yes.
0: <laughs> coaching, therapy, journal, all of the things. Yes, of the things. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. meaning they are holding themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. In addition to those omega-3 DHAs to support baby's brain development, Ritual also has choline and methylated folate to support baby's neural tube development. And the capsules feature a delayed release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. Why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at Ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women Prenatal to your subscription today. That's Ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole for 25% off. So you decide that you are going to get a sperm donor. Yeah. What was it like choosing a sperm donor? You mentioned there's good, there's bad, and there's ugly.
1: Oh, my God. Yes. Um, well, the first thing is I have interviewed a number of people on my podcast, and I always ask them that question. How did you choose yours? Whether mm-hmm. it's a sperm donor, an egg donor, right. embryo donor, whatever. Right. I have never once heard the same answer to that question. Huh. It's like a fingerprint. Like everyone has a different right. thing they're looking for. Right. So I was looking for intelligence, which mm-hmm. is impossible to measure, and mm-hmm. kindness, which okay. is impossible to measure. <laughs> and then just general, like, did this kid look like somebody that I would want to, the DNA that I would want to carry sure. on? Sure, sure. And when I made the decision to do this, by the time I was at the point of sperm donor, what's that? There's like a statement about when you're dating somebody and you feel uncertainty or conflict or like stress, that's uh-huh. usually a sign that they're not into you or that there's tension. Right. And then when you feel calm and certainty and ease. Right. Right. That's when you know that things uh-huh. are kind of vibing. Right. When right. I knew that I was on the right path, this is solo parenting, mm-hmm. and that I would pick the right sperm donor. Uh-huh. In both cases, I felt that like settling in your body. Like, Got it. oh. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is it. Okay. But I did call on my friends. Okay. And I'd heard of people having like these big parties where right. you like open up the sperm book. Right. Or or like in this case it's a website. It's right. almost like a dating app. And you like get drunk and you talk about all the different <laughs> guys together. Right. And I thought right. I was like, That's gonna be the way I do it. No, no. I decided like it's felt too vulnerable uh-huh. to do that in that uh-huh. context. Uh-huh. So it's very much like online shopping. Right. I went through, I did my whole, you know, was looking for GPA, I was mm-hmm. looking for certain things. Mm-hmm. And I reviewed all the hundreds of guys that they had on there and then put, like, the top contenders in a basket. Like, uh-huh. I put a little like next to them. Right. And then I gave three very close friends my login. Okay. And I said, look at the ones I've liked. Right. And tell me what I might be missing. Okay. Right. And one guy who seemed amazing, my friends were like, oh, my God, I'm reading egotist, narcissist, oh. crazy person. <laughs> okay. I, like, I didn't see that. You right. <laughs> and then um, everyone sort of just said, this is the guy. And it was the one I had been leaning towards. So okay. that was okay.
0: Like, yeah, OK, well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Did you have a lot of options to choose from?
1: Yes, because it was just at the beginning of the pandemic. Okay. Um as I understand it, the sperm banks have limited options now because mm-hmm. there've been a lot more people who have um, in the pandemic, needed sperm for various uh, reasons, and mm-hmm. it's been harder to get sperm. Right. You know, like anything, there's a supply chain problem. Sure. One of the areas which is really challenging for the sperm banks is getting people of color. Yes. You know, so I'm lucky in that I am blonde, and pretty much anyone who looks remotely like me would mm-hmm. suffice, although I was pretty flexible. Right. The question of race comes up quite a bit. You know, mm-hmm. if if you're parenting a child that doesn't look exactly like you, how does that mm-hmm. feel? And Yeah comes up in adoption yeah. as you all know mm-hmm. and so but my options were more more available okay. just by nature of my sure. ethnic background and sure. unfortunately it's very hard for them to get sperm donors of color and so and we need that right we need yeah. to enable families of all backgrounds to have Absolutely. children that look like them if that's mm-hmm. what they want yeah
0: yeah i've heard someone sent me an article once i mean it's almost like a like you have to grab somebody Immediately or else it's like the option is gone for for people of color, for, you know, for black women. So um, definitely something that that I hadn't been aware of until fairly recently.
1: It's such an unfair disparity, Mm -hmm. right? It just Mm -hmm. like like everything in life, there are things that are just unfair and Mm -hmm. we really should try and correct them. Yeah, yeah. One of the other things I will encourage anyone who's considering a sperm donor, and that may be a solo parent. It may be somebody whose male partner is experiencing infertility. Right. Um, Which is, by the way, 50% of -hmm. infertility is male factor. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe gay and lesbian women. Um, Maybe a trans couple. Who knows? One thing I would encourage you to think about is, is the donor anonymous? And I sort of wrote that off. The donor I picked has chosen to be anonymous, which means technically and legally, neither my son nor I can go find him. Okay. In this day and age, that's tricky to enforce with Ancestry.com. but. Having later, after having him talked to a number of donor-conceived people, uh-huh. I have come to understand that there is a lot of emotional nuances around having the ability to access right. one half of your identity, one right. half of your DNA, right, right, um, whether it's for medical records or uh-huh. just to know who they are as a human. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so that's become a very hot touch point you know, in the donor conceived world mm-hmm. where people are looking at creating legislation like they have in the UK to make it so that anonymous donors are not a vi- not an option, to make okay. it so that, you know, the sperm banks are legally responsible to go get updated medical information. You're a doctor, you know, and having medical right. history can be a game changer right. when it comes to certain right. diseases. So, you know, there's a lot that, I-, I credit the sperm donor and the donor conception industry for making my dreams come true. And I think it's so amazing that we can create families in this way. But there's a lot that could evolve to make it a little more equitable for everyone sure, and a little bit more fair for the donor conceived people. Yeah,
0: Yeah, absolutely. So was this whole process expensive and did your insurance cover anything
1: Oh my god it was so expensive okay. <laughs> You're like I mean, you're like yeah girl it was oh pricey Oh my god and, and let's talk about that because you know some of the <laughs> things that I just identified recruiting more donors making sure that they're not anonymous making sure that we get access to their medical history and one mm-hmm. more which is putting donor limits in place right uh, now Yes yeah in Europe you can only have a certain number of offspring that yeah. so if you donate you can only have a couple, you know, I think that limit is like 10. Right. In the U.S., there are guidelines, but uh-huh. no legal limits. Okay. So my okay. kid could have 10, 20, 60 siblings. Right. That's scary. Very. I have interviewed somebody who accidentally dated her brother. I mean, it is... It is a very scary thing, but it's also scary for the kid. How are they going to emotionally navigate 60 relationships? Right. Many of the sperm banks are trying to work on this. There is Mm -hmm. attempts at legislating it. But all the things I just said that are good for people who are building families and Mm -hmm. good for the donor conceived people. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, in a supply-demand equation, make it so that there are fewer donors Mm -hmm. or they can donate less frequently. And what does that do? It increases the price. It makes it less accessible financially. So it's this push-pull. Do you keep it affordable and Mm -hmm. accessible? And then you have all these other problems. um, Or do you fix those other problems and the price point changes? And neither, it's like one of those catch-twenties. It's not good either way. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. It is. Uh, yeah, I saw some crazy story. I think it was in Europe, and this man had like a, a hundred something yes. children. Yes. Like it was cra- Like they finally had to like ban him from like like stop it. Like yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And in
1: Europe, they will. They'll say no more. Right. Um. And or they'll find the sperm banks or whatever. But here,
0: it's just sort of like yeah. Okay.
1: It's frowned upon.
0: Okay. Okay, okay, okay.
1: So did you have any trouble getting pregnant? Um, Luckily, I mean... Trouble's an interesting word. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I think it, my the amount of time it took me was within the normal band of somebody my age with my hormone levels. Okay. I think if I were trying at home with a partner, the uh-huh. rule of thumb is approximately three to six tries. Um, I mean, actually, and, we don't even say infertility technically until a year of that's trying. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, so I did two at home inseminations okay. that were unmedicated. It was the pandemic, the fertility clinics yeah. were closed. It was yeah. like, well, let's just try this. Yeah. And then I did three IUIs, which is when you okay. use a catheter to uh-huh. insert it into your cervix, past your cervix into your uterus. Um and it was the third medicated, the third IUI, the second medicated IUI that was ultimately successful. So okay. I think that's within the band. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Was it
0: was it Stressful for, you? or how did you feel during the time? That's an excellent question.
1: I think I, it wasn't so stressful. Mm-hmm. I think I sort of had a lot of faith that now, looking back, I realized was probably unrealistic. <laughs> like, oh yeah, this will just happen. Um, and now, I now that I know more about the stats, mm-hmm. I realize it, it was probably a little too optimistic. There was one day that I remember feeling like. The world was ending. My life was over. Sure. I was never going to be okay again. Right. And I called a friend like absolutely bawling and they gently suggested, might it be the hormones you're on? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe it's. <laughs> uh, so you, you forget like you're co- combining Disappointment uh-huh. and like heartbreak with right. hormones, and right. that is brutal. That's a, that's, that's a rough <laughs> that's combination.
0: <so> <laughs> oh, all right. So, what was your in general like? Your pregnancy like, and your prenatal care like? Did you ever feel judged, or what was the? How did you navigate saying I'm a solo? I'm a solo parent.
1: Yeah. So, um, my ultimate prenatal care was tremendous. Okay. However, before that. When I Before I was even trying to conceive, I had a couple of incidents with doctors and or medical professionals that were mm-hmm. so enraging. Mm. One of which was when I froze my eggs, I used a different clinic. And when I would get to the clinic to do my – what they do, and you know this, is they do blood work and they do um, – uh, Oh, yeah, give me the ultrasound, right. the uterine ultrasound. Right. And they're doing this at different times to figure out how your eggs are progressing mm-hmm. and then all that stuff. You know all this. Um, th- there would be times when I'd walk in, the nurse would say, where's your partner? Mm. Or is your husband here? Mm-hmm. Which makes so many assumptions. Mm-hmm. And there was mm-hmm. one time where I had to go somewhere else for imaging. I think I had a cyst which was had ruptured or something like that. Right. And the tech that was doing the ultrasound um, you know, I was naive and bubbly and walked in sure. and I was like, you know, I'm just getting my levels checked and I'm, you know, maybe eventually gonna go ahead and use these eggs or mm-hmm. whatever. And she goes, well, what's wrong with your husband? You know what's wrong with your husband that you might need a sperm donor? And right. I said, what do, What do you mean? I right. mean, to me, I was enraged because yeah, it's, like, it's
0: none of your business.
1: It's none of your business. Mm-mm. It assumes I have a husband. Right. It assumes I want a husband. It right. assumes I'm straight.
0: Right. All of the things.
1: Right. And like, let's just play out the scenarios. Best case scenario: you've insulted somebody who is solo parenting mm-hmm. or gay mm-hmm. by assuming that they would have a male partner. Mm-hmm worst mm-hmm. case scenario is i do have a male partner and he is in fact very sick right. and you just said what's wrong with your right. husband right 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 It just so i i do hope that we're training our medical professionals a, l- a little bit more sensitivity sure. yeah
0: yeah that's completely unacceptable and unnecessary it always baffles me how people think like they have this sort of right to go there and it's like you don't actually yeah. Hey, so you made it this far in the episode and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favorite to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy Into Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Your support will help cover production and team cost and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high-quality content and ensures the future of All About Pregnancy and Birth. Again, that's DrNicoleRankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the All About Pregnancy and Birth community. Now back to the show.
1: But you said you felt like your prenatal care was My fine. My prenatal care was great. I benefit from having a best friend who is also an OBGYN. Oh, that helps. And so like, okay, yeah. Whether or not I was getting the information from my doctor is almost irrelevant because I was calling her every day. Right, (laughs) right, right. And um, we have these neighbors. We all live in the same neighborhood. We have these neighbors who are teenagers. And I remember like three days before I gave birth, I was sitting on the stoop very anxious about the delivery process. And Mm -hmm. for me... One of the things society had told me by showing me pictures and images and advertisements or whatever mm-hmm. about the birthing experience was that your husband rushes you to the hospital mm-hmm. just in time to deliver, right? Which <laughs> completely I, like not true. <laughs> right, right. I had developed this like intense anxiety that mm-hmm. I wasn't going to get to the hospital because I right. didn't have a husband. Right. <laughs> like, Who's going to take me? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I had backup plan upon backup plan. So much. That anxiety was so strong that I almost was like, I can't become a solo parent. I don't have a husband to drive me to the hospital. Oh, see? See how your brain does that to you sometimes? Yeah, It was just just crazy. So she sat me on the stoops and our high school neighbor was sitting there next to me. And she walked me through. You're going to walk in this door. You're going to tell this person you're in labor. They're going to know. (laughs) Right. They're going to take you to this place. You wait right. till your contractions are this and, level. Then right. you're going to like going to be wheeled in here. Then you ask for the epidural. Like right. literally, minute by minute. Right, right. right. And if it goes right. wrong, this is what happens. And this poor like 15 year old is going what happened what, what, <laughs> what like what i'm not ready for this yeah right, like, right. <laughs> that is funny
0: that is funny
1: and coincidentally that friend happened to be on the floor at the time i was delivering I was okay like, Can i stay and watch and right. so we had a party we had um she was there my OBGYN was there my mom was there and then two female nurses and people would walk into the room and be like whoa Right. This is really fun. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice energy to have yeah. surrounding birth. Yeah,
0: yeah. So then your mom was your primary support person? Yeah,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I did have a doula um, oh, nice. in okay. case my mom needed some extra support. Okay. Um, okay. But my mom got to cut the cord, which she Aww. still talks about. Aww. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And do you feel like having a doula was helpful? I do. I think having gone through the experience I did with just surrounded by female energy mm-hmm. and being told, wow, this is different. By, mm-hmm. like doctors or whomever would walk in, text mm-hmm. I feel like we're missing that female camaraderie, mm-hmm. par- like birth party mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. other cultures mm-hmm. may have. I agree. Yeah, you know, yeah. Wh- I like, agree. who's usually in the room when you are there delivering? Is yes, it's it's dad, yeah. um,
0: a nurse, maybe a doula. I ma- usually two nurses, dad, and maybe a doula.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think yeah. that's nice for the the other parent the non-birthing parent but mm-hmm. I kind of miss like everyone come in let's party <laughs> right yeah. yeah and sometimes
0: there are more people like there may be the grandparents or the, you know that yeah. kind of thing so definitely in general I think it the energy of the room makes a difference for all involved so I can totally see how a nice party atmosphere would be fun
1: yeah, yeah.
0: so then what was your support like postpartum?
1: postpartum was great I actually moved in with my parents for a couple of months oh okay so do they live near you or they don't they live near me like four months out of the year okay um so I was able so when they're here they're incredible at like watching him for a couple of hours sure but when they're not I really feel like oh yeah. my gosh I'm missing something yeah. Um, yeah but I moved in with them for a couple of months and that was it's hard to be in somebody else's space mm-hmm. um, when you're bloated and Mm -hmm. leaking and Mm -hmm. you know not feeling like your best self and i didn't love my dad watching me breastfeed (laughs) around the clock (laughs) yeah but i I had to get over that um i don't know that he'll ever recover yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm i'm just laughing because my dad wouldn't even like go once we were teenagers he wouldn't like even go down the hallway where our rooms were because it's like i'm not involved in any of that so i can totally see how your dad might be like this is a lot for me
1: it was a lot for him he's a trooper but like you know you've got a screaming kid i'm Mm -hmm. crying everything's Mm -hmm. leaking and like Mm -hmm. this just has to happen right so like avert your eyes right 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 (laughs) but i was really lucky i was really lucky in that because yeah yeah i mean just to have somebody else there and not be alone Mm -hmm. alone yeah Yeah, I think that was my biggest fear. And I think it's one of the misnomers. Many solo parents are alone. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: um, solo doesn't always mean alone. It doesn't mean that you don't have friends who stop in or other people who love you. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it sounds like you had, did you have a decent leave policy from your job?
1: Yeah, I did. I I didn't want to go back as soon as I did. I took I took a couple months off. Mm-hmm. And then had a really hard time coming back and sort of negotiated, "Can I take one more month part-time?" Mm-hmm. And I don't actually recommend that because mm. part-time didn't mean these are the hours I'm working, these are the hours I'm not working. Yeah. It meant all of a sudden I'm working and holding a screaming child mm-hmm. simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And that was like, it's horrible for the people I work with. It was mm-hmm. horrible for the baby. It was horrible mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um That was n- not good. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And part-time probably is like almost full time, Ex- but not, exactly. you know what I mean? Like you think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's not exactly really full uh part-time. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And I was lucky that I was able to breastfeed. I had some hard parts in my journey, but I had Mm -hmm. some, I was able to do it in the end. And then when I stopped breastfeeding, all of a sudden I felt like I had so much free time because, you know, I'm not rushing to go pump several times a a day. And like, I was pumping at like 11 PM at night to get that like extra few ounces. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to go to bed and not be like strapped to a machine, I mean, it was, it was like, it was like going from full-time to part-time, except yeah. that I worked the same number of hours.
0: Yeah, I, w- I always called breastfeeding a labor of love because oh, your whole yeah. world revolves around it for a while. Like, when is the next time I can pump? When is the, you yeah. know, so it's Total. definitely definitely a, a, an an investment of your time and energy. So then what are two two or three things that you have um, learned that are different about parenting a donor-conceived child? Thing I, You know, things that come to mind for me are like asking about the other parent or filling out forms or things like that i mean that's sort of simplistic but what are some things that you've noticed that are different
1: it is simplistic and it's not because that's what your day-to-day is made up of it's made up of communicating with your child and then dealing with like the logistics of parenting Mm -hmm. um so little things like i don't feel any shame about my choice but i was at the post office trying to get him a passport Uh again optimistic we haven't used it but I had to go back three or four times. And the, partly because I had mis- com- incomplete forms that were my right. fault, partly it was their fault. But a couple of times I got so much crap from somebody who said, well, I need the other partner here in order, like, where's the other parent? We right. can't sign these forms without the other parent. And right. I would have to, like, point out the point in the birth certificate. And then they'd call over a supervisor and be like, is this OK? Yeah, it's OK. On the birth certificate, there is no other parent. So right. I don't need somebody else's approval to get a passport. Right. Right. That was really frustrating I'm sure. and hard. I'm sure. And it would have been harder if I felt guilt or shame about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I was just like, come on, guys, pull it together. Yeah. You know, be, be better than this. You're absolutely right that the conversations around where is your dad are going to mm-hmm. be hard. Mm-hmm. Um at one point a babysitter said to me this was early on like three months four months in oh like wh- why doesn't this child have a dad and she like made up an excuse and lied about it I said, mm. you, you should not lie there's right. nothing to be ashamed of yeah. yeah so yeah it's making sure that everyone around him is having good conversations mm-hmm. he has a cousin who started making fun of him at one point for not having a dad and mm. um, luckily her mom is very her parents are very well informed on, on this and in fact right. Her dad grew up in the same way that my child is growing up. Okay. So, yeah, I think it's just, it's not just educating yourself about Mm -hmm. how to communicate with your child. It's educating the people that they come in contact with. Sure. Making sure that the teachers are aware. Right. Making sure that family members know what to say. My mom, for instance, was reading books, and in books they have dads. And so she was, like, skipping over the page that had a dad Uh, or changing it to somebody else. No, mm -hmm. it's okay. He can know that dads exist. Right. And then it's really informing yourself about the issues that donor conceived people might face as they grow up. And okay. I, I expect there's going to be a lot of parenting around that.
0: Okay. 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 That makes sense. So then as we wrap up, what would you say the most frustrating part of being a solo mom by choice has been?
1: Um, I love that I get him full time. Like I love that. Mm-hmm. I don't have to share him that all mm-hmm. these amazing moments are mine. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, you want somebody to tap <laughs> in. Like, I, he's woken up five times tonight. Can somebody else just walk him yeah. to sleep? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> exactly. <expensive. laughs>
0: I can totally see that.
1: Like, he just looked me in the face and, like, smacked me across the face, and I am frustrated, and I don't know that I can be a great parent in this mm-hmm. moment. Can somebody mm-hmm. else? Participate, but no. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can totally see that. Totally see that. And then on the flip side, what has been the best or most rewarding part of being a single mom by choice?
1: I mean, he's just the best. Like, every (laughs) little moment with him is so joyful. And we, as parents who work, um, don't get a lot of time with our kids. Yeah. I was really surprised by that. I was like, oh, you spend time with your kids. No, our work life is not structured for, you know, the hours the kids are awake. Yeah. So that... Those moments are precious, even if they're really, really, really hard. Sure, sure. And I'm surprised too by how many people are saying, Oh, you're going down this path, may I ask you about it? I might want to do it too. Like huh. I think I think it's becoming more of a thing than it uh-huh. used to be. And okay. that's great. It's yeah. not for everyone. Some sure. people ask me about it, I say, maybe you don't want to go down this path. It's not right. my my choice to say that for you, but just because it's good for some, one person doesn't mean it's good for everyone. And I'm excited that more and more people are exploring it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I wonder if that comes along with
0: people, more and more women exploring like egg freezing. Yes. Things yes. like yes. that. The conversation is kind of growing.
1: I think, and I'd be curious about your opinion, I think if you can afford it, you should absolutely freeze your
0: eggs. 100%. Yeah, 100%. And the, the younger you can do it, the more... Eggs you'll get. So if you can, yeah, for sure. Totally. If you have a job that gives you the that benefit, definitely take advantage of it. It's much better to do it and then not need it than get to a, a situation where uh, you don't you don't have it. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah,
1: and it's not a guarantee. I mean, you could do it, have Mm-mm. them, and it not work anyway. Yeah. But it's a little bit nicer. It
0: definitely gives you more options.
1: Yeah, somebody said to me in an email today. They said either our moms raised the Girls, right, and that they choose these bold moves like becoming solo parents, mm-hmm. um, or we raised our boys wrong. <laughs> There's like, <laughs> terrible partnership opportunities. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, like, you know, know. Which one? Yes. Either yes, culture is yeah. changing and it's becoming right. more acceptable, or our men are just failing. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, so, the last question What is your favorite piece of advice that you would give to someone who is thinking about whether or not they
1: want to be a single?
0: or solo parent rather by choice
1: um i think you know what's in your heart and if this is your path don't let anything anyone get in your way Mm -hmm. um but if it's not if you're not convinced that this is your path i it's a it's not an easy path to walk for sure yeah yeah
0: yeah and i guess do communities exist like Oh, Facebook yeah. groups or those kinds of things to help people.
1: Thank yeah. you for asking about that. There's a really robust Facebook group. Okay. Um, and there's solo parents by choice. There's solo moms by choice, solo dads uh-huh. by choice, solo uh-huh. parents in whatever community, solo parents and dating. I mean, gotcha. you name it. Okay. I think it's the reason I'm still on Facebook. <laughs> These <laughs> communities are Great. And you can ask anything. And the other thing I would recommend as a new parent, whether or not you're solo, is if there's a new moms community in your area and uh-huh. there was one for me where they like put everyone together and right. you know, now we have a text chain of all the new moms that have kids that are, like three weeks apart from one another in the right. area. Right. It's a game changer because mm-hmm. you're like, This weird thing is happening today and the mm-hmm. other person like, That happened to me yesterday, right. you know. And right. It just normalizes some of the stuff you go through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So where can people find you and your podcast?
1: Thank you. Um, So the podcast is called Storked, S-T-O-R-K apostrophe D. Mm -hmm. And it can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, There's also storkedpodcast.com, which is the website. And on that website is an option to sign up for the newsletter. Okay. I really like the newsletter. If you don't like listening to things or you don't always have time, Uh the newsletter is a great digestible piece. Yeah. And Instagram, storked underscore podcast. Okay.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. This has been really insightful and informative. And I know folks are going to find it useful.
1: Oh, it's so fun to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Now, wasn't that a great episode? I learned a lot and I hope that you did too. Now, you know, after every episode, when I have a guest on, I do something called Dr. Nicole's Notes where I talk about my top takeaways from the conversation. And here are my Dr. Nicole's Notes from my conversation with Julia. Number one, community is important. Julia is lucky, fortunate that she had a lot of help and support in her choice to be a solo mom by choice. And support is so important Important whether you're a solo mom or not, by choice or by circumstance or whatever the case may be, whether there's two parents in the household, all of us need some support. And one of the places where you can find support that I think can be really helpful as long as you get the right type of support is virtual communities. And that's the community I've created created with uh, my inner circle Facebook group. It's an open community. You can come, you can join, you can ask questions, you can connect with other people. I'm um, an example of how these type of connections and things can help. Recently, someone posted about how they were moving to a new area and they needed to find a new OBGYN. And because of asking in the group, they were able to get hooked up with somebody who, you know, was like more of a referral. They didn't have to do a lot of that legwork um, to look for people. They were able to get connected with someone. And there are just lots of connections like that inside of the group. So head to Facebook. And search for Dr. Nicole Rankin's Inner Circle community, and it will pop up right there. We'd love to have you join. Okay, next thing I want to talk for just a couple minutes about actually is egg freezing and clear up some of the misconceptions or talk about some of the realities of egg freezing, because I think a lot of people don't know exactly what those numbers and things are. So Egg freezing, of course, is when you freeze your eggs and success rates for egg freezing depend on a lot of factors, including the age the woman is when her eggs are frozen, the quality of the eggs, and then how the eggs were frozen, all right? So according to one large study, the overall chance of a live birth from frozen eggs is 39%, okay, 39%. However, the chances increased to 51% for women who were younger than 38 when they froze their eggs, okay? Younger than 38 when they froze their eggs. And then the chances increased to 70% if the woman was younger than 38 and also thawed 20 or more eggs. All right. So your chances are higher if you are younger and if you have more eggs. Okay. And then another thing was the freezing method. All right. So the survival rate of eggs after thawing depends on how they were frozen eggs frozen using the flash freezing or vitrification technique. And I don't know all the specifics and details of this. This is not something that I do a lot into or get into a lot. So I'm just telling you what the names are. They have an average survival rate of 90 to 95%. So the flash freezing technique, 90 to 95% of the eggs will survive after thawing in comparison with the slow frozen eggs, they have an average survival rate of 61%. So if you are thinking about freezing your eggs, then definitely consider your age and definitely consider how they are frozen, okay? And then you also wanna be prepared for the cost of egg freezing. It can be pretty substantial. Each egg retrieval cycle can cost on the order of $10,000, all right? And the number of eggs you get is really going to vary. And the only way to have a lot of eggs afterwards may be that you have to do multiple cycles so that can get quite expensive. And then it's gonna cost another potentially five to $7,000 to thaw and then fertilize the eggs, grow the embryos in the lab, and then transfer them back into your uterus, all right? So that's another five to $7,000, all right? Also, if you want to have them tested for any chromosome problems that can add an additional cost, that's going to be another potentially $3,000. And then the last potential cost, which is also pretty hefty is storing the eggs, storing frozen eggs can cost up to thousand dollars a year. So you pay, you know, 10, $20,000 upfront, and then you can anticipate to be paying a thousand dollars a year in order to store the eggs. So potentially significant cost there. Now I know some companies, just a sprinkle of companies do offer some financial assistance with egg freezing. Big companies like Google, for instance, may help pay for freezing the eggs. I don't know if they pay for the storage cost, but just know that it can be a, a very, very expensive endeavor and it's not guaranteed to work. Okay. All right. And then the last thing I want to say is that let's all just make an effort. Let's all be sure that we just mind our own business. You know what I mean? Like people asking about people's family choices, whether someone is a solo mom, you know, sperm donors, things like that. But yeah, you. It's, it's natural to have a curiosity about people's lives, and if people are willing and express an interest in talking about something, sure, that's different. But don't go asking about other people's business. Don't j- just let's just mind our own business and support people in ways that don't interfere with trying to get into their personal lives. Okay, so let's just make an effort. All together, we are all going to be supportive, but also let's mind our own business. Okay, all right. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, do me a solid share with a friend. I'd love your help to reach and serve more people. Do subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to me right now. Leave me a review in Apple Podcast or send me a DM on Instagram. I love to hear from you. I also love to get pictures. I love to see pictures, not just of the of babies. Of course, I love to see pictures of babies, but I like to see pictures of you too with the baby. So, send me pictures, DM me on Instagram. Let me know that the podcast has helped you, or what you think about the show, or any podcast topics at Doctor Nicole Rankins. My DMs are open. So that's it for this episode. Do come on back next week, and remember that you deserve a beautiful pregnancy and birth. <laughs>